welcome back to You're Not Crazy, a podcast for young pastors from the Gospel Coalition. I'm Sam Aubrey. I'm joined, as always, by Ray Auckland. Hi, Ray. Great to see you, Sam. Um, Ray, what is your favourite animal? <laughs> what? Well, I ask that question because our, our listeners, you've referred a couple of times to your wife, Jenny. There is someone else who lives in your house. <laughs> yes, well, I have the most adorable and precious Labrador retriever named Nixie. And we've had her now for five years. She is... She's had uh, you for five years. <laughs> yes, that's so true. And she is she is uh, coolly indifferent toward me, uh, but I adore her. And that's, that's the deal. That's the arrangement, that uh, she tolerates me, and I, you know, fawn over her and, and, and uh, fuss over her and spoil her and... And that's our relationship, and it works. <laughs> and um, that, that links nicely into what we're talking about. We're going to be talking about social media. And if people follow you on social media... Nixie and social media? Yes. Have you seen your Instagram account? <laughs> uh, if you follow Ray on social media, you might know that he's married. You will know that he has a dog. <laughs> that's embarrassing. Sam, don't tell the world that. <laughs> um We've been thinking about the, the, the importance of ministry being relational. Um, a, a fair amount of our relational life these days happens virtually, happens online. We have resources and tools now to, to do that in a way that we didn't have even 10 years ago. Um, which, what social media platforms do you Twitter use? Twitter and Instagram only. And what is your what kind of controls, how you use them? What do you do with them? Really, they're ways of, of communicating gospel culture. That's, that's my not-hidden agenda. Here's, here's a thought I have about Twitter, which is such a toxic, poisonous, angry, tense, explosive environment. Somebody reading a tweet from me today might be considering suicide. Mm. That person might be really close to breaking. Who do I think I am to be reckless, unthinking, uncaring, just pushing up my agenda, my anger? That might not help that person. They might need something quite different. So anyway, that's that. That scares me, Sam. It Social, does. It's powerful. Yeah, I mean, our words are powerful. They're, they're designed to be powerful. That the universe exists because God spoke words, and He's made us as His image bearers to have that capacity to use words in a way that can that can build universes. Wow. <laughs> or we can just tear down things with our words. Um, all of which means if, we, if we're not thinking about how we use social media, we're probably misusing it. Because we, we do need to think through what we're doing, how it works, what our words might be affecting in the lives of others. And what platforms are you on? Um, I use Twitter and Instagram also. I have Facebook, but rarely do anything with it other than snoop around and see what old school friends are up to what uh, what do you wish to accomplish when you post it's, it's changed over the years um i was i was you know that thing where you 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 can see what you were posting five years ago or six years ago i look back over some of those and wince a bit mm-hmm. um or a lot <laughs> um it's normally th- you know if i'm reading the bible and i the good thing about twitter for me is it, it helps me condense my thoughts so if i'm think meditating on a, a scripture and what do I, how, do, how do I boil this down into, into one sentence? I'll, I'll often use Twitter for that. So it might, may just be there's a, a thought buzzing around my head and here's a good place to put it, something I've, I've found in, in the Bible. Um, I love using it to 
commend others. Um, if I see there's, you know, a book coming out that someone I know has written that looks like it's going to serve the church, I just, not that she'll need my help for this, but I just noticed Jackie Hill Perry's new book is available for pre-order. So that's a no-brainer. That's a good use of Twitter. To There may be <laughs> um, some people who follow me who've not come across Jackie Hill Perry, and I'd love them to. So if I can use it to do that kind of thing as well. Um, I love teasing my friends on Twitter, so I do that a bit too. Um, those would be the... Your comment about Jackie's book and, and posting something about that reminds me of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, let all things be done for edification. That mm. is, everything we do and say should be constructive, not destructive. Should build mm. people up, lift people up, help people get to some place that would be wonderful for them and honoring to Christ mm. and never ever tear anybody down. So when when you're posting about Jackie or any some anybody else like that, it, you are putting into practice the constructive edifying up I have never thought of what you uh, uh, said earlier in the podcast that God used words to create the universe. God uses our words to create new universes. So you post about Jackie, right? Somebody sees that, links to Amazon, whatever, gets the book, reads it. They go to a new place in their, mm. in their walk with Christ, in their walk with one another. You have been instrumental through Twitter creating a new universe. That's amazing, why would we want to use it for any other yeah. purpose? Here's something else I, I just realised just now. Um, I I, th I think one of the reasons you and I have become friends is because of Twitter. Before we actually met, I knew who you were because I'd, I'd been following you on Twitter. We'd had a couple of interactions on Twitter. Um, so it, it can be a good on-ramp into real friendships. It's not a good substitute for them, but it can be a good on-ramp. And what about Instagram? What do you What do you use it for? How is it? How is it honoring to Jesus, satisfying to your own soul? Um, Instagram, is it feels a little bit more personal to me than Twitter just as a medium, so I might do more on Instagram about what I'm up to. Um, if I'm on a ministry trip or just finished a, finishing a ministry project, I, I posted something when I was in the hospital for a week earlier in the year just to sort of give some, you know, let people know what was going on on that front. So because it's a less... Um, confrontational it seems it seems a slightly happier place instagram than, than twitter land um yeah i tend to use it more for personal updates. and what do you think uh, what are some landmines we can step on in on social media that we don't intend to but it's so easy to do so it's when i uh, look at uh, twitter especially i do get riled up i get angry hmm. and my i don't trust my moral fervor sam I think my moral fervor is the most immoral thing about me, the most destructive thing about me. Uh, it scares me. That's the yeah. part that's really scary. So what, what are some, um, what have you seen that, that Christians using social media that discreates, destroys I it's easy, culture? And I see this in myself. It's easy to forget that the person you're interacting with is flesh and blood human being and it's so easy to do and say things on twitter you would never do if you were sitting physically in front of that person so on twitter it's easy for someone just to be reduced in our minds to an annoying opinion or an avatar of someone we you know 
someone who's just an irritant, and to treat them accordingly, and not to treat them as someone made in the image of God, maybe a brother or sister in Christ, someone worthy of our, our respect and of our dignity. Um, so we can sort of shoot from the hip, be a bit swashbuckling and not realise, actually, I would never speak to someone like that if I was face to face, and there's a very good reason I wouldn't, and therefore I shouldn't, just because they're not physically in front I think of, me. of that very thing, Sam, as a way of accept, seeing and accepting the limitations of something like Twitter. It cannot, by the very nature of it, accomplish very much. It can accomplish good. Um, it can't accomplish great good. It can accomplish uh, great harm. But what little good it can accomplish, I want to exploit that and drive that. If I can run that play down the field, I want to run that play over and over again and score a touchdown as often as I can. For example, I think of, uh, here's what I mean. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 21. Sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. Proverbs 16, 21. What a fascinating thing to say. Sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. Why does that work? <laughs> because sweetness of speech, I think, combines two things. One, humility about myself. Secondly, respect for other people. Treating them as if they matter, respecting them as people who can think, and lowering myself to serve them and try to win them, not just yell at them. When we feel respected by someone who's humbling him or herself and is reaching out to me humbly, reasonably, with fair-mindedness, even if we disagree, that when I see that, it has a heart-melting power over me, and I, something inside me cracks open, and I begin to listen more attentively with greater openness. So sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness, which I suppose I'm thinking out loud here, Sam, another way of saying harshness of speech increases resistance. Yeah. So we have Christians yelling back and forth at each other. In, and this is on the internet in front of the whole world. And once it's on the internet, it lasts it's, forever. It's global and permanent. So some of us need to uh, delete some posts and go into repentance. I do. I have deleted many things I've said. And then I, afterwards I realize, oh my goodness, what was I thinking? That is not edifying. That is not my mission in the world. The reason why I'm on the planet, Sam, the reason why I haven't gone, died, keeled over dead like a brontosaurus and gone to be with the Lord, the reason why my heart is still beating is that he's got work for me to do. It's really worth doing. And I believe God wants me to preach gospel doctrine and nurture gospel culture and social media actually is a killer platform for just getting out brief words that yeah. will bring hope to people. Yeah. That person thinking about suicide, if they come and look at my Twitter feed, I don't want to let them down. Yeah. And so I want to talk about the issues of the day in such a way with sweetness of speech that, such that it increases persuasiveness, maybe indirectly in a way that only the Holy Spirit can orchestrate, that person will decide, all right, I'm not going to 
take that fatal step, I'm going to wait and, and give God John a chance. John Piper once said that books don't change lives, sentences do. And I can think of sentences John Piper's written in books that have changed my life. But I think, again, that shows us the potential for the way we can use Twitter for the kingdom. Um, a passage that has shaped me a lot is, is Isaiah, Isaiah, Isaiah no, no, 40. No, no. Isaiah is much better. This is impressive. <laughs> Isaiah 40, verse 9. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of, of Judah, behold your God. So in other words, the herald of good news, the evangelist, which in one sense is all believers, we're all heralds of, of good news. We, we, are, we want that news to, to get as far and wide as possible. So it's worth going up on a high mountain. It's worth lifting up your voice with strength if you have a message of good news, which in this case is behold your God. If, if, our, if we're seeking to communicate who God is, then we want that message to go as far and wide as possible. If we're only seeking to communicate our opinions, our politics, our rightness, we don't need to go up on a high mountain to do that. We can just stay right down in the valley. We don't need, you know, let's just, we don't, people don't need to hear that. So it's only worth having any kind of reach if the message we're giving is a message of who God is. That's the only message worth going up on a high mountain. Like, and Twitter is a high mountain. Uh, that's the only message worth going up there and lifting up your voice to to bellow is is a message of this is who our God is. This is this is the Lord Jesus. Look at His tender mercies. Um, he is the good news that we herald. So if if my message isn't about Him, I don't actually need to be broadcasting it far and wide. If my message is about him, I may as well try and get it out there as far and wide as I can. Sam, you've thought about this carefully. Uh, it, what would you recommend to, to me and to every listener as to, well, let's call a moratorium on these practices, these forms of discourse on social media. Let's promote and practice and push out there these over here, these different behaviors and themes and attitudes and so forth what's what's the the list of the never list and what's the always list things we never want to do then i think never want to, do, want to do looking over things i've i've done in the past would include venting my spleen i've got to get this off my chest if you need to get it off your chest write it on a piece of paper <laughs> uh, you don't have to put it on twitter and the times when i've tweeted intemperately are almost always the tweets I've most regretted. So just using it to vent is is not going to be a constructive use of it. Uh, using it because everyone out there needs fixing and I'm just going to sit here and correct everybody else in the world. There are things you can do well with Twitter. Anything that, that approaches trying to correct other people is is not it's just not the medium that's designed for that that that's something that requires presence relationship nuance body language facial expressions the whole the whole deal real time give and take yeah it is almost impossible to swing someone around 180 degrees from one opinion to another via twitter now it can be as i said earlier it can be an on-ramp to a relationship in which those things can then happen. And I've, I've seen that. I've had people who've had questions or objections to something I've done or said, and they've, they, uh, 
they've mentioned that on Twitter and in some cases that's led to, hey, let's have a, let's Skype, let's FaceTime about this and it's actually led to a relationship or a friendship. Um, but it's very hard to to do the ministry of correcting by Twitter. And I think certainly if we're, if we're pastors, the the deep ministry we're doing is to our congregation. We're not pastors of Twitterland. We're pastors of Emmanuel Church, Nashville, or wherever it happens to be. And so there's going to be people out there annoying me on Twitter. I don't need to... That's that's not the, the time I need to... That's not where my emotional energy should be going. What's on your always list? Well, certainly anything that is scriptural is always worth sharing. Um, something that shows someone you're thinking of them, that you want to encourage someone publicly, honouring others, honour one another. Twitter actually can be a good place to do that. Yes. Um, I, I love doing it on Twitter. Um, so I think those those would be two categories for me of always, is, is sharing scriptural insights and kind of relational commendation. I think there's something else going on on social media that's really conducive to gospel culture, and that is not through one tweet or one post, but through a whole history of tweets and posts Setting a tone, yes, because tone setting is so much a, a part of leadership, pastoral leadership, and building gospel culture. It's gospel culture is is it's such a, a intangible and and one moment doesn't create gospel culture. Mm. A whole ministry creates gospel culture. If if we receive social media as a trust, a stewardship from the Lord, He created Twitter. He created Instagram for the display of his glory and the building up of his people and the spread of the gospel. If we receive it as from him and then steadily, ruggedly, without self-indulgence, push Jesus and his good news out to people, suffering people, sinning people like us and communicate how much we're in this together and how we can share Christ together and so forth. That pattern over time sets a tone and it really resonates with people. It rallies people around Christ himself. That's when I think social media are finding their real fulfillment and why they even exist in God's universe. it, It can be because of the nature of these things, a way of reaching Someone who, who might not have much access to, to biblical encouragement. Wow. I've never thought of that. So every pastor listening to this right now, maybe um, maybe every pastor, including me, including you, we can go all post something on Twitter today that might actually help that person contemplating suicide yeah. to turn away and look to God and say, would you help me? Yeah. Wow. A, a bruised reed, Jesus will not break. And there are so many bruised reeds out there who don't know how safe Jesus is. What if someone looking at my Twitter feed today, or yours, or any pastor's, is actually giving life one more chance yeah. today? Let's be there for that person. I think another another good purpose and a natural purpose for, for a pastor is, you know, if, if if you're looking, someone's looking to join a new church, they'll look at the church website, they may mm-hmm. watch an online service or listen to a sermon. If I'm wanting to check out a pastor, I'll look at his social media. Absolutely. So it's it's another way potentially of being another sort of front window into your church life. Something else I try to do, uh, 
both on Twitter and, and Instagram, is for the display of God's grace and goodness. His show, it's not hard to show, just the very sort of ordinary, common, human flow of my daily life. As mm-hmm. you mentioned, Nixie, at the front of this episode. And I love putting a photograph of Nixie uh, on social media because she's my dog. I said to her last night, it's so cute, Sam. I, I, I uh, bring her in for the night, and she runs up to the first landing on the stairway to go upstairs, and she sits there until I come, and I follow up a few minutes later, and we have our moment together <laughs> at the end of the day. And I snuggle with her, and, and she, she uh, is uh, you know, sort of oblivious to me, but that's okay. And I told her last night, I'm talking to my dog, and I told her, God made you. And when God made you, and I thought of something you said once, I said to her, when God made you, he had a good day. And God has put something of his glory on you. You're one of his creatures. He has entrusted you to my care. So I'm going to take good care of you for the glory of God. I want to treat you right because God cares about you. So I, th- I said that to Nixie. Because I think that God's glory is on all of our humaneness, mm. including pets, for crying out loud. And... Um, and so with a due sense of Nixie's place in the grand scheme of things and the modest location she occupies in the grand scheme of things, still, she is not nothing. <clears throat> and we pastors can just reassure people that we're probably less religious than they think and more human than they think. That's good. And if they come to our church, maybe they don't have to be religious at all, and maybe they can find ways to be even more delightful i think that's good it shows people we we do live in the same world that they do mm-hmm. um that we we see and enjoy the same gifts of creation and yeah we're not just walking you know sermon dispensers or or that kind of thing god is so good to us um here's another verse that that i think can help us with these things romans 12 verse 18 paul says if possible so far as it depends on you live peaceably with all i love i love both the aspiration of this verse and the realism of it the aspiration is to live peaceably with all. Why wouldn't we want to do that? The realism is, if possible, it's not always. So far as it depends on you. So if it's not possible, make sure that's not because of what's going on at your end. Um, you know, you, you shouldn't be the, the barrier to someone living peaceably with you. So my, my question for you, Ray, is, you know, there are things that blow up and, and controversies that, that explode on Twitter. If someone is taking issue with something you've done or said or written and they're kind of atting you on Twitter. How do you apply that verse to that situation? How, how do you tend to respond? Do you, how do you try to lower the temperature and what, what do you do? In Sam, that I wish I had a good answer for you. It's such an important question. Okay, the truth of it is, if I sense that someone is unsatisfied because they're probably unsatisfiable um, and they come at me directly and don't even use their name in their identification on Twitter, I block them. If they are critiquing me and they're identifying their name, so the possibility of a relationship is there and they're taking responsibility, personal responsibility for what they're saying. And I can tell this is a thoughtful critique. They're pointing out something I hadn't seen before then I have to swallow my pride and give thanks for that person and 
prob- I will try to make myself, I grab myself by the scruff of the neck and I say, Ray Hurtland, you will do the right thing. You will humble yourself and you will treat this person with respect. So respond and thank them for what they've added. Um, but blocking and muting, um, uh, commonly if they're sort of uber-theological, unfair-minded critiques, I block them um, because I want them to know I disapprove for Jesus' sake. I disapprove of what they're doing. If it's a pornographic solicitation, I just mute them. Um, and I, I stop and pray. I don't know if that's an actual person in that little photograph there, but she's out there somewhere. So I pray for that person. And I mute that because I don't want to deal with it. But I hope that that person, whoever did that post uh, and runs that account, actually keeps looking at my feed and maybe they'll be converted. Wouldn't I remember once someone had read your book on marriage. Someone had taken issue with a, a, a piece of that. I think they got the wrong end of the stick of something you were saying. And was, there's a, a big sort of thing going on about that. And I remember you uh, responding to this person by saying, you know, it, it became a, apparent this person would, would occasionally be in Nashville. And you actually said to them, you'd be so welcome to come around and have a meal with, with me and Janny and we can we can talk you through what we mean. And you said it's a sincere invitation. And I, I always remember that as being such a peaceable way of responding to someone who was who was upset, not upset because they were necessarily, you know, I think probably upset because they got the wrong end of the stick rather than because of what you were actually saying. If we pastors then, respond to people uh, by returning their hostility and suspicions and the sort of adversarial approach they bring, how on earth are we, are we representing Jesus? Yeah. He didn't do that to us. He loved, John Owen, uh, he, he said in his uh, wonderful works, he loved us into covenant. He hmm. will love us into heaven. That's our ministry right there. God's kindness leads to repentance. So it's unlikely that our hostility is going to, we were not called into the ministry so that we can show people how wrong they are and defeat them and humiliate them. We are called into ministry to represent Christ. And that means we're going to be mistreated, spoken against, and so forth. Two thoughts will enter our mind when that happens. One, I don't deserve this. This ridiculousness coming at me, this is unfair. I don't deserve this. And then, eventually, we'll circle around to a second thought. Well, if I'm representing Jesus, who was mistreated, I really don't deserve this. (laughs) This is a privilege. Suffering reproach for his sake is a sacred privilege. And suffering reproach within our churches, in the world, that is the leading edge of redemption, moving out into this broken world more and more. I think that's a great note to end this episode on, Ray. One of the things we're doing with social media or should be doing is it's a form of practicing hospitality. It's a way of letting people into our reality with Jesus in a way that is invitational and warm. And so as we thank uh, Crossway for, for sponsoring this podcast, one particular resource that comes to mind on that note is the gospel comes with a house key. Our dear friend Rosaria Butterfield, who... Um, this is, a, this is an amazing oh, book. There's nothing else like it that I know of. It is it, yeah. compelling. And she, she came and did a, a weekend for us at Emmanuel a year or so ago. And I think we're still, 
I think we're still recovering in, in all the, you know, it was, it was wonderful. We needed it. Um, but it, it's an amazing vision for opening up our, our lives, our hearts, our homes to others for the sake of Christ's glory. So we would love people to get a hold of that. But we gave everyone at Emmanuel a copy of it when she came. Um, so thanks to Crossway. Thanks to everyone who's listening. It's always our, our privilege to have this time with you. We don't take it for granted and we wish you God's blessing. We know you have a ton to do these days, and so it means a lot to us that you would listen to the podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of You're Not Crazy, Gospel Sanity for Young Pastors. Do visit tgc.org podcasts for more episodes, and it would be great if you'd subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for doing that. Spotify, wherever you listen, wherever you hang out. Thanks. The You're Not Crazy podcast was made possible by multiple team members at TGC. That team includes the hosts of the show, Ray Ortland and Sam Alberry, as well as Stephen Morales and Andrew Lapara as executive producer and producer. Heather Farrell, our podcast lead. Gabriel Reyes, our graphic designer. And Josh Diaz, our audio engineer. You're Not Crazy is a part of the Gospel Coalition Podcast Network. You can find more podcasts at tgc.org forward slash podcasts.